All right, welcome back, Inebriites. Uh, today we're actually uh, out of our normal location, and we're recording at Ninja Marshmallow uh, at the Taunton Galleria Mall. Uh, that's at 2 Galleria Mall Drive, and you can check them out at ninjamarshmallow.com. And we are joined here today with uh, Bill Diamond. Hey, how are you? Thanks for uh, joining us today. And so, Bill, um, you are a puppeteer, puppet builder? Well, um, I, I'm more of a producer-director, but I do build and design puppets for mm-hmm. TV and for film uh, and live theater for f- over 45 years. Wow. Uh, did you start with the production side of it, or did you start as kind of like the puppet builder and then well, get into production? Well, it's interesting. I started, my background is television. So, yes, television theater. Um, I was started in when I was much younger in stop-motion animation, and it was just too slow for me. Yeah. And, of course... You know, I was influenced by, you know, the Harryhausen. Well, I did get to meet Harryhausen years later. Uh, And I did win an award for stop-motion animation in New York. But I quickly got out of it because um, I just felt it wasn't instantaneous. Television was pretty new. Cable was just coming in. Mm -hmm. It was all that kind of thing. So I felt that, you know, creating characters, which always was my love, and being influenced, of course, by... Henson that I decided that I wanted to go to that room. So uh, where was kind of the Henson world when you kind of first worked with them? Was it like Sesame Street level or? Well Sesame Street I was I was doing television production for Reef's Teletape yeah. and they just happened to be doing machines and I would go on the Sesame Street set and that's where I met Carol Spinney but I was working on the video side oh, okay. okay, not the, the, the studio side but I was creating my own shows at that time. Yeah. I also was working with a series of artists in Port Chester, and one was John Kahn, and he, had a, and he was doing a whole bunch of sculpture work and circus performance. And another one was um, Michael Motion, mm-hmm. and uh, these names are important. Michael down. Motion sounds very familiar. Yeah, you'll know where yeah. that name came from. And then a, a very young man who was apprenticing for John Kahn named Johnny Henson, who happened to be Jim's son. Okay. So we were doing a lot of the production of documenting things that John and Michael were doing. Yeah. And Johnny was working with me on doing the document, documenting of these things. Yeah. And um, then Jim came into it. He came actually to an event that we were doing. And uh, that's where I got to meet him. And that's where Michael got to meet him. Yeah. Now, Michael, you would know, because when we were doing this, we were videotaping Michael doing the ball uh, oh, he's the guy from Labyrinth. He's the guy from Labyrinth. I'm like, I well, know, I knew that name. Jim, that's where Jim discovered. Oh, get out, really? Okay, this was like 79, 80. Yeah. And that's where he discovered him at that point. And then he, he had a couple of other people and John Kahn, who was doing these sculptures, who Jim was really interested in having them done in his new place in New York. Yeah. So Johnny was working on that, and John Kahn and Jim asked me to document it. Mm-hmm. And that's where history was made. So... Uh, John and I became good friends and while I was doing my own productions Johnny Henson would then show up and and Jim was always very supportive of that and so was Jane Yeah. and so I got to know them on a personal level and I worked on a couple projects in New York and this is all around the Dark Crystal time Yeah. and this is all around my Fraggle Rock so a lot of the people that were working on those shows um, were doing them and, and we were working on the sculpture going up the stairs and, um, you know, it was, it was a great time to be all around that yeah. at that time. It, you had Michael Froud being there. And uh, Michael Froud, he's the artist that 
I'm mean, sorry, Brian Fraub. Brian, Brian Fraub. Fraub. Is he the... And Michael Frith, as I was okay. getting to commit. And Michael Frith designed Fraggles, and yeah. Brian Fraub designed all the Dark Crystal look. He was the conceptual artist. Right, yeah. The conce- yeah. So it was great to watch all these guys work on this stuff. Why? And it kind of inspired me to, to work fro- forward on my productions mm-hmm. that I wanted to do, and she was very supportive of that. Yeah, it's it's funny because like I'm a huge Muppet fan, and I'm very familiar with Brian Henson. I didn't even know John Henson was a person. Like I had no idea that Jim had another son. Well, he, Jim had five kids. Really? Okay, he had uh, Lisa, Cheryl, Brian, Johnny, Heather. Yeah, were they all involved? Oh, they've all been involved. Yeah. 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 Um, Brian was probably more active as far as a puppeteer, but Lisa and Cheryl also did get involved. And Johnny, Johnny played Sweetums for quite a while. Oh, no kidding. You know, That's and awesome. we'd get involved and do the Coca-Cola bear, and mm-hmm. um, uh, he would get in, involved, but he was also quite a craftsman all, yeah. all to himself. And so when did you start building puppets? Well, I was building puppets before yeah. I met them. Um, and I was creating my own shows. Uh, I was doing a comic strip in the late 70s, early 80s called Land of Munchens, mm-hmm. and I cable was brand new yeah so uh i started um developing it as a cable show and it was and time warner put it on Mm -hmm. and so we did one or two or three episodes at that time then we turned it into live shows and toured with it yeah and actually jim got to see the one of the episodes and uh gave me a lot of tips and things like that that to do with it and uh you know, here we are, forty-five years, uh, thirty-five years later. Now redoing it as a brand new series. Oh, the land, so it's land, land of the, the Munchens. Yep. And is that uh, going to be like a online thing? It'll actually or? be an online thing. You'll yeah. get a chance to watch us build the characters. Oh, nice. or, And you'll get to see the new ones being introduced, which we've also done on Facebook already. Yep. And as the sets are being sculpted and built, and then actually perform it and. and and watch us tape it mm-hmm. and then the finish episode you'll be able to watch it online and you can watch it on your phone and whatever uh, the first episode of the series at the same time when we start going back to the cons like we do here we have two of the moonshins here yep. we introduce the characters so the people can see the real ones oh, nice, yeah. and we'll actually do elements of the set so they can see how we puppeteered it so if they've seen it on they can now come to a comic con and see how we actually right or even it. kind of get that interest in how it was done how and then it was go, done back and to go back to the back yeah, to, and we're doing cool. everything the way it was done you know 30 40 years ago the way we originally did it yeah. when it started out nice and um so what is kind of the premise of the the Land of the Moonshins? It's a series of creatures that live on the moon in one of these big craters there. Um, and the the issue of it is is that uh, they always they have antennas and they, they get influenced um, by the Earth. Now it was funny when we first did the series, Garf, which is one of the main characters, used to pick up old radio waves. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now he picks up the internet. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sure. So it's they're by all this data that's constantly in 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 the airways mm-hmm. okay they pick it up and it infects them differently of how they hear different things and they, their life their standard life goes around and they're in, they're they're curious about it earth yeah earthlings they know they visited there but they're always pulling things off the internet and there's always seems to be a discussion whether it's real or fake or is it whatever? And and some of them think it is, and some of them is not. So we get a real chance to kind of play with all those scenarios that people have out there of uh, things that may not be real. So is the plan to kind of keep it like topical, or, or it's kind of like a South Parky spoof type thing, or it's topical. But what it is is it's really 
we kind of make the audience think about with all the data that they're hearing now. Yeah. You know, you know, is some of it really real? Or are we too sensitive? So the the mood is just kind of like looking at this whole thing that we're so engulfed with right. our daily lives, and they're taking it in there. It's kind of causing their each episode. It's causing them to have their own little issues and how they solve it and how it reflects them and that's really, the world around. That's interesting. Um, so. Being in the business as long as you've been, and the uh, huge change in from making a pilot, trying to pitch a show to well, we're going to make it on our own and put it online. Um, do you feel that's better now or just different? Well, I think the issue, it's actually it's almost the same. Okay, and let me explain. When I started in the industry, you would pitch a show to a network. Right, and networks started expanding out because. When I started, cable was brand new. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for a, a guy like, hey, oh, I could, I could go. I had my own studio, yeah, and then I could put a show and put it on this new thing called cable. Right, that and, was probably just and, hungry for and was anything. Just hungry <laughs> for content. Yeah. it was hungry for content, and they would pay you for content. You had right. to get sponsors, whatever. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Now we have the only thing has changed is that we have easier access to get this material to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's how in the business world how to monetize that, yeah. But uh, which is the same structure, but it gives us a chance of really letting people look into our projects. And fortunately, we're in a better situation where I own my own, I have a ten acres with a hundred thousand square feet Holy of production cow. space. That's huge on the Hudson. Yeah. So I have my own television studios, my own scenic shop, my own puppet shops. You know, all that's there, and so we can easily create a production and put it and self-contain it all yep. to ourselves and then boom out in the airways where maybe 15 years ago we would have to oh, find a marketplace to yeah. which we still pitch to all the networks sure. but a lot of networks want packaged television so yeah. they want to have things already made right yeah. unless they're you know gonna self-produce it or or however right if and it's already kind of produced they have less risk right they're not putting, and we do a lot of yeah. projects for a lot of other people um, you know, I've been in the commercial side uh, from the business to the industrial side of the business. Mm-hmm. I've seen a change from the from the six uh, from the seventies, eighties, nineties up till uh, you know now. And it it's 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 watching the formula and and how people use it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's harder and easier all at the same time. That answers your question. Kind of. <laughs> And not at all. Well, um, you must yeah. know from radio. Yeah. Years ago, you had, had to be at a radio station. Now, now you could be anybody. Your own producer. It's so right. easy. You know? So it's your own producer. Yeah. Uh, the bottom line is, is, is it, it, no. Yeah. I kind of see what you're saying. It, it's easy. It's super easy to produce a show now. Right. But it's probably harder to be heard because there was less options back in the day. Right. It was you, harder you had to be heard. Twelve radio stations. Right. Now. People who really tie in, yeah. they're, they're niche markets. Mm-hmm. But if you can work those markets, you can get a chance to, uh, you know, work, you know, have your arms in different things. Yeah. So, um, so now you you build these puppets, and we're basically sitting next to Audrey too. Right. Um, so you do stage stuff as well. Where do you start when you're designing a character? As well, it's a always sketch? a drawing. Yep. It's always a drawing, and everything that I work on is is a drawing. Um, and it goes from there, and then we will always everything is based on a good story. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a good story, then you have a series of good characters you can you can mushroom into um, a series. 
the, uh, the that's really really comes down to it. everything starts with me starts with drawing and then goes to the actual construction of the characters um, if people come to us and they come to us for many things we don't just do characters we do we're lighting for some networks we do sets for for networks yeah um, we build things for um, programs all the time we may just do an effect or like or something for theater right um, you know with Audrey 2 we've been doing that since 1984 yeah. so is that the Official Audrey Two was it on Broadway or the Off Broadway show was mm-hmm. with Alan Menken and a young Marty Robinson built the plants. He's from Sesame Street. He built the plants, but it's also based on a 1960 black and white film. Yeah, yeah, I remember Roger Corman. Mm-hmm. So the and I believe plant, it was Jack Nicholson's it was first a role. Very unknown Jack yeah. Nicholson, and the role was a very you know clam type of plant. So yeah. The plant came from there. And then, of course, then um, Marty Robinson designed it further out. Yeah. And then when it left there, it went to big regional theaters, and they didn't know, you know, they didn't know what to do with it at that point. So in the Westchester Broadway Theater was mounting the show, and they're the longest-running independent equity theater out there. And they got Alan. Alan lived not far away, and said, you know, you know, we, you know, we can we get the plan or whatever. And then they knew me. Yeah. So they asked me to build it, which is not this one. This one, this one here is from 2007. Okay. So in '84 I did it, not knowing that because there were not many plants. Mm-hmm. When other theaters started mounting, they would go to Westchester and get the set, and they want to know who had the plan. And I kept ownership of the plan. Yeah. So the next thing I know, I did it at this theater, and it became a roadshow toward to this. It was kind of like it, leased out the well, plant. Well, no, I went with it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I performed it. They oh, got me oh, cool. And the puppet. They got me and the puppet. So they leased the plant, and and, you. and, and it went on <laughs> tour. But I thought, okay, this will go good for a couple of years. Yeah. And now it's what thirty-five years later, and I'm still doing that plant. Oh, nice. You know, um, it's still looking at theaters and regional theaters we do have one the older version we send out to the high school so they mm-hmm. can use it if they want oh nice uh, and then then we've because it's been used so many revivals that I have done mm-hmm. um, and I probably I always joke that I may have the Guinness Book World Record on the plant because I have been operating it for 35 years regularly every year I do at least 20 uh, performances of this thing. So when you do that, do you do the voice as well? No, as, I don't no. do the voice. Someone else I does the voice. I physically climb in that yeah. thing and, you know, puppeteer. That I call that my RG2 late, uh, weight loss program. <laughs> oh, I bet you, you know, sweat and, like crazy. Uh, yeah. You know, that's... So, and, and it's been nice over the years with this version because it's so big, we've been able to take it and tour it. Mm-hmm. And we bring it to the cons now and everybody wants to take climb into it yeah um this one was built in 2007 and it's been performing ever since then since the revival yeah now there are the ones that went a bet finally went on broadway and that was done by prg mm-hmm. but this one is one of the longest running individual plants uh. around so so say now you have your sketch of your character like mm-hmm. what's the next step like how do you turn that into something physical well then we you know uh, then we phys- we break it down and see what kind of materials it would be needed mm-hmm. and who it's going a lot of times we pair up the puppeteer oh, okay. that we we want to to do that character um, and then I bring one of my puppeteers in who I have a staff of puppeteers and then I, I cage it to, to them and uh, if it works for a show, if it works for a live performance, 
Um, we do that. So everything, all the characters we have are owned by us. Yeah. They always come back. Okay. And uh, we then get a chance to put them out. And we've got, you know, a few hundred of them at the studio. Oh. You know. And, and we're still building for, for projects. Like, there's a new children's book called uh, Tiny Teddy. Okay. Um, named Cuz. And so now we're building the bear mm-hmm. from, the, from Robert Aragon's book. And we're going to perform that. And we we've also built mascots and characters for other shows, TVs, and books. Nice. So, is there a difference in this, in building the character when you're doing something that's going to be on film opposed to something that's on stage? Yeah, you could be a little more forgiving on stage because mm-hmm. they're not right on top of it. Oh, okay. Um, I see. Where the cameras are a lot closer and it's got to be bigger yeah. or whatever. The ones on stage can get beat really quick. Yeah. Um, and you got to constantly face it, do it. Um, you know, we've c- created a lot of stage shows. Plus, we used to tour in malls. Like, yeah. in the 80s and 90s, we would send all our shows. From our TV show, Dr. Rock's Dinosaur Adventure, we then had a live version of it that went to It was Fair, Dr. Rock's Dinosaur, Dinosaur Adventure. Adventure? Okay. It was on Fox. And then we would tour it at state and county fairs and malls. And we had three versions of the show all at different times would go oh, out. Wow. One South Dakota would go up to... Then it would go up to uh, New Mexico and be there for six weeks. And then the other one would be, say, Mississippi. So, so we're shuffling all these puppets all over the place. Do you, do you guys transport them yourself? We or have did you, our own trucks. Yeah. yeah. We would I was going to say, I could see shows. some real nightmares. Yeah, of, well, yeah. we haven't done a lot. We, we only have brought it back as one live show recently, recently during the summer. But we really stopped touring it in 2004 when we built a new studio. Yeah. And so 2004 you built a 10-acre studio? Mm-hmm. And uh, where did you work out of before? Was it a... Well, we had another studio. Oh, yeah, We've had studio. other studios. Yeah. Um, but it was a focus whether we were going to internally do, you know, all our television work mm-hmm. or we were going to be on, on tour all the time. Right. So now that's kind of funny because now we're doing so many cons. Yeah. And the characters get on display, and of course we always tribute Jim. Mm-hmm. We have some things that were his, and we tribute those here. Uh, and we find that's a great marketing way for all the newer shows. Right. So talk about back to the internet. Yeah. Now you create a new new shows. Now we're all at we're brought to all the cons from my career in the last. It's a great way of marketing to new it, and everyone gets instant ask, access. Right. I mean, people would go in in the con now. Yeah, and you right can be like, away. this is my show, and you can look it right up. And, That's yeah. right. So it's a d- different way of marketing. So fortunately, yeah. I'm brought into the cons, and it's nice to see the fans and sign the autographs and uh, yeah. and then show them the new stuff we're working on. Nice. Uh, I've seen you at Super Mega Fest before. Are you going to be at Super Mega yep. Fest in this November? Mm-hmm. We will be recording there as well. Okay. Yeah, should well, be a good time. Um, you mentioned uh, when you do the cons that you pay tribute to Jim. Um and you said that uh, you had done a, a, a tribute, Dark Crystal. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, we did Rise of the Skeksis. The Hensons were doing a like a fan base film. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, what's going on? I think it was them testing the, the waters to see what the numbers would be yeah. for fans. And that there was another interest because about a year and a half or two years after that, Netflix announced. Netflix announced that. So yeah. I think it was a testing round. Yeah. And I felt it that way. Normally I don't get involved with those, but... When um, we were younger, G- Johnny and I would always talk about, hey, if your dad did another movie. Yeah. 
what do you think it would be? And we would we would talk about this. Right, so yeah. it was kind of fun. And um, when that came up, I said to the guys at the studio, I said, why don't we tribute John? Mm-hmm. You know, and because and, John had passed about two years ago. Oh, okay. And so we thought, I had original notes that John and I had mm-hmm. messed around with. So I thought it would maybe be a fun little trailer. Yeah. And that it may help the Hensons be able to uh, get a sense of it. So we did the trailer. It yeah. was a, a short trailer. We tributed to John, which is something I wanted to do. And we built the mystic and the skexy. Uh, and we had the sword that I had the plates from from the originals because I restored the originals for Johnny. Mm-hmm. And so we put a new handle on it and we bring it out to the cons. And uh, we're like, okay, let's see what it does. And we did it. And then the Hensons invited us to um, oh, nice. California yeah. and a number of other people that were involved and Brian and John, uh, Brian and Lisa saw it they watched it they liked it it's on you can watch it on the Henson YouTube channel oh nice so it's and on so it's, they found you it on can, YouTube you can see it now and yeah. actually people have gone to it and it's almost cut this little cult following there yeah. right so the Skeksis here it comes and then of course the new series so we've been bringing that to the cons this year mm-hmm. and had trip, turned it into a tribute to Jim. And people get excited if they don't go to the museums in Atlanta to see the new the Skeksy uh, exhibit or they go to In Motion, mm-hmm. um, they at least get to see what one may have looked like. Yeah. And th- these are working puppets, so it's our version right. dedicated to that. And they love taking pictures of it and mm-hmm. get some close. And then we encourage them to, to uh, you know, go check out the... Where the where the other stuff is? Oh, it's awesome for Henson's. And uh, also, I had worked with uh, Stan Winston School, mm-hmm. and we did a whole puppet performance class. Yeah. And um, people co- ask me all the time where they can learn how to do this, and and I'm a faculty member of the Stan Winston School, so I always tell them that's where you go. Nice. So you sound like a busy guy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we're involved, we're involved with the school. Um, I also t- uh, is president of the Witch's Dungeon Movie Museum. The, what is it? Witch's Dungeons Movie Museum. Oh, what's which that? Is, that is in Bristol, Connecticut, and okay. it's been around for 51 years. Okay. So if you ever want to talk to Cortland Hull, who is the nephew to Henry Hull, who played the first American werewolf in Universal Studios. Okay. It's not far from here. It's yeah. two hours away to the Bristol. It's always open in October. Mm-hmm. And we we set it up. We light it. And it has all original props plus figures from the Universal Monsters. I don't I know, kidding. Sets. Uh, Sarah Karloff comes out yeah. to it. Victoria Price will be there. Oh, nice. Um, I will be there actually on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and I've been helping Cortland. I'm Cortland's president. But Vincent Price and Ronnie McDowell were also on the board. Oh, wow. So the movie museum has been, and I, I tour it with Cortland. Mm-hmm. And so I'm also involved with that. And that preserves all these classic stuff for Hollywood. So did you ever get to meet Vincent Price? Uh, no. Cortland no. did. Yeah. Cortland knew him quite well. But I know Victoria, yeah. uh, Vincent's daughter. And her and I, matter of fact, my new Monster TV book. And they're all on Monster TV. Mm-hmm. All the families have been involved yeah. with that. Uh, Sarah Karloff, Bill Lugosi Jr., Ron Chaney, Victoria Price are all involved with the monster puppets that you see here. Oh, that's awesome. And they're part of my new book. Matter of fact, um, Victoria did the forward to it. Oh, cool. Uh, what, what book is that? And it'll be the, the Art of Monster TV. It'll be out next year. Oh, that's awesome. But we're bringing that back. That, now, see, that's an internet show that started 
in 2003. Yeah. We've been doing experts for it for the last 10 years. So uh, I I feel like people are, um, more and more people are creating content online um, with the ease of uh, video editing on computers now and, and being able to shoot stuff on their phones. And if someone's starting a show that they're intending to put out online, like what kind of advice would you give them starting off that show? Like, you know, pitfalls they might run into or... Well, I think, you know, we've been doing network television and broadcast television for over 45 years. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that most people will find out is that it's a lot of work. Yeah. And to put out a regular series of any kind of quality is very difficult Mm -hmm. to do. So you need to have a way of maintaining that. Anyone can make something once. Right. Try doing it many, many, many times. Yeah. So that's the thing. And when, when it gets to the level that we do stuff at, it's, it takes a lot of people, it takes a lot of talented people to, to keep that machine going. Mm-hmm. And, of course, then they figure out how to monetize that. Right. So that is where it becomes difficult for them. Anyone can make a, sh- a TV show, but it's, it's the quality, the writing, and, um, you know, it's easy for anyone to do it. Yeah. But it's it's not easy for anyone to maintain it. Yeah, Yeah. and I've seen that a lot. I've seen uh, a lot of uh, comic creators because, like I said, I've been doing cons forever, where they have you know issue one, and issue one of their comic is funny and it's good, and then you get to issue two and you're like, eh, and then issue three is you know it's that trying to maintain that quality all the time and the amount of work that well, it takes. you realize it's staffing and after a while life takes over and if those people have jobs, see my right. job is this, yeah. you know, but if those people have jobs, uh, life takes over and right. it's very hard to do that. So that's where the, the downfall of it. See, I'm from the era where when I started, you know, people like Rick Baker just started and people, the makeup artist Rick Baker and... Uh, the people that are working on the original Star Wars movies all we used eight millimeter film, right? Yeah, and we yeah. were exper- experimenting with movies. Mm-hmm. You know, we made a few and then entered them into contests, and now all of us work in the industry. So that's awesome. It's it's you know it's that type of thing. So it's really kind of fun to see. It yeah. just comes in cycles. And you said you met Ray ha- Harryhausen. How did that? Happen? Well, I met Ray. It was actually because uh, okay, I grew up on Harryhausen movies. Well. My first con was Famous Monsters mm-hmm. with and Forey Ackerman and Basil Gogos and um, Peter Cushing, who I happen to be with from Star Wars. And Ray then came to a couple of those later on. Yeah. And uh, because I was a young guy in that Famous Monster way before you had all these cons. Yeah. It was a very rare uh, way that that happened. And, um, you know, we got to see Ray later on at, like, a show like Famous uh, Monster Bash and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And he was just amazed at how it's turned into a thing for him. Yeah. So, like, what other shows do you generally do? Do you go all over the country for these shows? We go or? all over the country now. Mm-hmm. Um, we are brought in um, to not only show the displays but talk about all the new programming that mm-hmm. we're doing. Oh, so do you... Do you uh, Sorry, do you do panels while you're there as well? Yes, oh, that's I do. Cool. A lot of times it's more about how puppetry and how you bring things to life. Yeah. Um, we we try to focus on new creative people that are doing things mm-hmm. and, and, and really caught up seeing things that we have done over the years. 
Um, and we've done a lot of stuff they didn't even know we did. You know, yeah. Like the old uh, um, Charlie Chaplin commercials for IBM years ago. You know, I worked on those with a guy named uh, Sandbank who made all those big commercials back hmm. then. He brought me into Puppeteer, which was a new thing called the mouse. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we had the puppeteer. You didn't have digital like you did today. Oh, that's funny. So there were tons of stuff that, you know, and there was such a huge market in a live touring show, whatever. So I've, I've been fortunate to be my own producer and director and independent guy since um, I started this in 1976. Wow. I won't, I won't tell you when I was born. <laughs> but, she's the only one I get to do this with. <laughs> but I was a young, I was a teenager, yeah. and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't want to work for anybody. Yeah. So I, you know, it was it was fortunate. How do, how did your parents take that? Were they supportive, or did you have to kind of convince them? No, I didn't understand it, but they yeah. saw me doing it anyway. I was doing theater and and creating my own shows and producing stage shows so, um, of my own at that time yeah. with people from the area and they would come and be popular and then I would cable was new so it was I didn't want to work for anybody even if I got offers at NBC or even I had a shot at Henson's I didn't I wasn't interested right. I really knew what I wanted to do yeah you wanted to be I, your, unfortunately your... like somebody like Jim was very inspirational mm-hmm. and said you know go you know, you know do that um, and then I had a lot of people like him back then that were pioneers that just couldn't get it. Now they all ask me, so yeah. it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, what was it about Jim that made him? It seems like he was very supportive of other people. And, oh, he he yeah. was amazed that he was very supportive with artists of all kinds. You know, he really loved. You know, um, he was so ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't see I didn't see him a lot. Most yeah. people didn't see him. When I did, he really focused in, and he would w- look at things, you yeah. know. And he was very good to me. Where when I did Moonshins, I showed it to him, uh, and he would give me a pointer, and, and yeah. I took that. And still today, we kind of put that into here. One of the things he says: really pay attention to your own look. Yeah. And we did. We've 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 really crafted Moonshins better than we did when we first brought it out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very different. It has changed a lot. There's things in it that you know, and that's still. Today I still remember those one those one little sentence, you know. Try to find that interesting look, man. Just and, to get advice from Jim Henson, and that's, I did. That's and um, it it was that that thing that drove me to. I knew that I, when I found it, I would know it's time to do it again, and that's you know. It's going to be a new thing to everybody else, but yeah. I created it 35 years ago. Right, right. But sometimes it's almost like you have to wait for yeah, I had people to... to catch up with your idea. Well, you yeah. know what? I think what was interesting about it is that we, we made a couple episodes on cable. Mm-hmm. And our Dr. Rock series was on Fox. So we could have probably brought it in back then. Yeah. And it really did it well as a live show. So we knew the chemistry was there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was just I wanted to do more of it, and with network television shows, you they want to buy packages, mm-hmm. and you can pitch one show and then maybe never do it again. Yeah, you know, and people get discouraged with that. I'm can, I own my own facility, so right. I felt it was time to be able to have this, the 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 shops to build what I really wanted to do, mm-hmm. and I said now it's time, and now with this market that I can really promote programming. 
and that's why I said it's time to bring we did monsters we knew monsters was successful and we still do it yeah and we have all the actors and the famous families that get involved um, that showed us that Moonchins was, Moonchins was, was time to was bring time it to back and that was really my 35 years ago my baby yeah and I wanted to do an, as a comic strip which it was it was yeah. on a Saturday morning comic strip which nice. I learned that was really difficult yeah and I have a good friend named Guy Gilchrist who did all the Muppet comic strips for oh, Jim. Oh, yeah, okay. And he doesn't, still today, he did Muppet Babies and yeah. he does com- comics all the time. That was an amazing show. And I still, for the life of me, can not understand how he can knock those things out every single day in his travels. Yeah. And I still, I talked to him earlier today and I'm like, He's like, yeah, I'm doing. I'm going to this thing, but I'm still. I gotta get this comic strip out today. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Moonshin started off that way as a Saturday comic strip. I did mm-hmm. it for two years, and I was like, oh, it's a lot of work. Now, do you have a preference? Do you prefer live performance opposed to to video? Well, the way we approach video is a live performance. Okay. I think I always tell people that are starting out in puppeteers perform live first. Yeah. Because you can read your audience Mm -hmm. and if your audience is really catching it yeah then now you got to convert it over to Mm -hmm. a different medium but if you can't get them live you're not going to get them television sure and you can tell right away it's like oh they thought that was funny we did so many of our tv shows went to live or our live shows went to tv Mm -hmm. so it was always funny how, how that would work uh, so what's next? What, what do you? Well, you, get, you said you got Moonchins. Is there something else that you're? Uh... Well, I've been working with Brian. On Brian his... Brian Hall, never heard yeah, of him. Yeah, I was working <laughs> with him on his new book, which that's kind of exciting. Yeah, uh, and he's doing a whole series, so I've been helping him with drawing his book, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I'm working with Robert Aragon, who is a children's writer. Uh, he was a monster painter, but he now went to this little character named Tiny Teddy. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we're going to bring his book to life. Uh, I also work with Tammy, who works on all our shows, and she's doing her Fairy Willow. So we do that. And bringing monsters back, and every time I turn around and think that's enough, something else comes along that I have to wind up working on. Yeah. Doing. Um, and I still do stuff for Fox. Nice. I, I found that we started this podcast about a year and a half ago, and it's just snowballed out of control. It's like. Now it's just constantly people like, oh, can you help me do this? Can you do this? And be like, well, I don't really, I've never made a commercial before, but sure, let's do that. You know, yeah, and it's, it's, it's great. It's, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's exciting. It, it's, it is exciting. Yeah. And it's funny because I always wind up doing more and more projects. And I'm interested in always helping people that I know that are either writing books or, um, you know, doing television shows. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a good, big facility down there so we're always you know doing something for somebody yeah um i'm also do sports television too i really got 18 sports shows 18 yeah and i last night i was doing the yankees i was lighting the yankees oh no kidding so, uh i do that for the yes network yeah uh, oh the, uh that's uh is that the online thing that no okay I'm not a sports guy, so... No, I'm, believe it or not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not either. Yeah. But I do uh, Yankeeography, and then I do the Nets. I do lighting for their pre- and post-game shows, and I've built sets for the, the networks. And I've done stuff for World Wrestling. 
Oh, and no I kidding, did huh? the Legends show for wrestling for many years. Oh, wow. And lit that show. So I bounce from both sides. Yeah. I go from theater, not just puppets, to network television shows. Um, when it's puppets and when it's not puppets. Yeah. Um, it's kept my, my studios very versatile, and we do a things for a lot of people. Now, is that is that kind of like your makeup you like to do a lot of you know your hands on a lot of different things keep your, your mind going because I, I well not I, I haven't figured out how to, I, I have too many interests yeah you know um, when when Phantom came along the Phantom play I did the makeup and created all the masks oh and then okay. I did that applied that makeup every day for two years and then went off and shot television yeah. so I, I have so many different hats I do so many different things and I just love it because it always changes it's yeah. never the same so it's the body of work is not just puppets; it's pure television and entertainment. So we're really a entertainment company for mm-hmm. many other things. A lot of corporate. We used to do stuff for Caterpillar. Oh, yeah. like those corporate IBM safety films. No, or? not safety. No. We would actually theme things for. Oh, okay. Uh, we are we we do stuff for that even now. We mm-hmm. uh, companies will come to us and say, "How can we entertain or?" bring a new way or give it a new look I've even done one of the things we did was we created characters for a bakery oh okay uh, and created a whole way of them reaching a new market through puppetry so you do entertaining and marketing oh yeah yeah <laughs> people come to us and say yeah. could you theme my store and we'll do that too oh wow you know we've we've shown them how to you know use all our knowledge in the entertainment business uh, and bring it alive, and, and in that way, I've been really trying to keep puppetry alive. Yeah, and um, you know, everybody asks, is, "Has digital killed that I was, market?" I was going to be my next question. <laughs> Beat and me to it. Not in our world. It's yeah. changed it, but it hasn't killed it. I, I feel like there was an initial when the digital effects kind of reached that in nineties. Yeah, in the nineties, it was Terminator Two, like. Yeah. Everybody jumped on board, and I feel like now there's almost a push to get back to the practical effects. And right, you know, '90s I would say is probably the roughest time, and that's when we ventured out to do you know some sports mm-hmm. and do corporate because that market was right. like this. Uh, and we never thought that we thought that would have a shelf life, and still with us today. Yeah. Um, so it has come back. It yeah. has springboard back very, very quickly. Nice. Um, and you're going to see that. Hanson's do their new series, Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal. I, hear, I mean, there's a huge when I, buzz when about I've it. When I talked already. to them, they said they knew it was all puppetry. I talked to uh, Toby Froud, Brian, yeah. Brian's son, yeah. uh, just recently. He was very excited about it and doing some great design. Does Toby work? Now, Toby, for our listeners who don't know, was the baby in Labyrinth. That's correct. Uh, does he he works with the Henson Company? Yeah, uh, he's working on Dark Crystal. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, oh, that's he's cool. done many stop motion animation films of his own. Yeah, and uh, I think he did Trolls. Oh, okay. Uh, the yeah. movie. Yeah, but he's been brought in and he's like picked up the staff of where his father. Oh, that's awesome! Off, so he's doing that. So it's nice to see that new talent come out and Henson's is I think Jim would be thrilled to see that that's coming even though we're doing our own thing mm-hmm. it's nice to look over the pond and still seeing I have friends that are doing that right yeah so we know that it's feeling good and that will only excite other projects we're doing mm-hmm. so I've been focusing on more and more of my own um, stuff that I created years ago bringing it back nice 
Uh, so now for our listeners who wanted to like check out your work or see where you're going to be, is there like a BillDiamond.com that they can see a list of events or projects? Or? I, I mean, you can go to Bill Diamond Productions or Bill Diamond's Facebook page. Okay. Okay, you can always see the stuff from Munchens. I think this year they're kind of redoing the sites uh, and seeing where we are and, of course, always check the cons. What we try to do is bring an experience of all the new puppets uh, everything that's here is stuff that we're, we're working on and of course we get a chance to always tribute something for, of gems mm-hmm. that's just my thing I yeah. like to do that for him because there's so many great artists that I've known over the years that are working now on his stuff yeah. and working years ago that, uh, and we like bringing them in involved as well as the the Universal families mm-hmm. from the old movies I like getting them involved yeah through me you know, Sarah and Bella and Ron and Victoria have found, because we do the monster puppets, a new audience for kids to come back and see these old classics. Right. So we're finding different ways of, of doing that with everybody. That's awesome. Um, and I always ask this of our guests. Um, I have two kids. I can't say small kids because they're teenagers now. But, like, what kind of advice would you give creative kids who are looking to get into whatever field usually i ask specifically but like it seems like you wear so many hats i can't ask you on a specific field i think that and when i tell young people today the more you do the more creative things and the more you can apprentice with experts or people that are in the industry Mm -hmm. will be better served um you can definitely go to school for it, and of course you can go to online to the Stan Winston School of Character Arts yep. and learn things from pros. But one thing we've got away from is apprenticeship, and I think that that should come back. And I think it's a great way for individual artists to get people to come along, and it's a way to carry the next thing. The more you know, the better off you are to move through the industry. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, I, I always kind of looked at it as find the person that's doing what you want to do and talk to them right you and know? then keep doing it and yeah. then you just don't talk do it mm-hmm. you know do something with it right um, it, w- it was funny and Brian doesn't mind me saying that he talked to me about these books yeah. and I said show me one yeah and here we are yeah he did he, uh, yeah he's been talking about these books for quite a while right and then I, he met me <laughs> yeah. a number of years back and I said to him I don't want to hear about it right. I want to see it yeah don't oh. just talk to me. Everybody can talk. So um, what is the new book that you're working on with him? Uh, the Owl Tales. Owl Tales. Tales. Yeah. And um, he did. He put out a number of his own books. And then I saw him sitting behind the table at a con. Yep. And I said, now you're doing it. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. Yeah. You know, and you've got to just work at it every single day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether you're doing radio or you're doing television or you're not. It has to be something that you have passionately about. And you don't look at just monetarily. Because if that, that's the way you look at it, then nobody will get any work. Right. Okay? That's not what you go into a craft for. Or you, or, or you go into it to, for the love of it, the interest of it, and the passion of it. If you don't have the passion, it doesn't matter what you have after that. 
Yeah, because I, I feel like if you if you don't have the passion, you're not going to stick through the hard times. That's right, and yeah. you will always have. Uh, you of know, course, in 45 yeah. years we've had. You know what we call shelf lives, right? You know, and then a new shelf takes it. Yeah. So it's it's nice to be here and still being doing all the stuff, and and I'm booked to a hundred, so I have no choice. <laughs> You're booked to a hundred. I haven't gotten there yet. I think I'm booked to about sixty. Um, but well, I'm already there. And I'm telling you, you can go further. Than <laughs> oh, I know, but I don't have a calendar for sixty-one yet. Um, well, Bill, thank you very much for joining us. This was fantastic. Uh, and again, listeners, we're here at Ninja Marshmallow at the Taunton Galleria Mall. You can check them out at ninjamarshmallow.com. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, at Inebriart. Send us an email. Let us know what you think, inebriart at yahoo.com. Uh, still waiting on our first hate mail. And uh, please like us, review us, subscribe to our podcast, and uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>